Stressed out? Need sleep? The cold weather bringing out those aches and pains or arthritis? There's never been a better time to try cannabis. Check out the greenhouse of Wald Lake and learn about the natural way to relax and escape all that 2020 stress. The greenhouse is locally owned and they love helping people who are new to cannabis. They've got a great flower selection of the best Michigan-grown buds and the biggest pre-roll selection around. Don't want to smoke? No problem. There's vape carts, tinctures, concentrates, and everyone's favorite, edibles, like gummies, chocolates, peppermint bark, breath sprays, even the original Mackinac Island fudge. So check out the greenhouse of Wald Lake. 21 and over welcome, no med card needed. They also offer senior and veterans discounts and have a great loyalty rewards program. The Greenhouse of Wald Lake. That's greenhousemi.com. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Very glad to have you with me today. Very excited to have with me uh, on the program my friend, my longtime friend, M.L. Elric. You perhaps know him as a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, formerly of the Detroit Free Press, WDIV Channel 4 and Fox 2 here in Detroit. Also a frequent guest on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. That may change going forward, depending on whether or not he is successful in his next venture. He has filed paperwork to run for Detroit City Council in District 4, which encompasses a big chunk of the east side of Detroit. We thought we'd talk to him today about why he wants to do this, and what he thinks he might be able to accomplish if he indeed is elevated to the city council here in the city of Detroit. ML, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you back. Craig, we've spoken many times in many mediums. Uh, on many subjects, but this is the first time we've ever spoken when I'm a candidate and I appreciate the opportunity. And I have to say, uh, it's pretty weird being on this side of it. Well, I, I gotta tell you, it was a, it was a bit of a shock for me when I made that adjustment myself, uh, several years ago, uh, not to an elected office, uh, more to an appointed position, but at the same time, it is a definite change of pace. And, and I have to ask, I mean, given the success you've had in journalism, and, and you have reached the pinnacle of that profession by winning a Pulitzer Prize. And a lot of that, of course, was for your work in in uh, looking deeply into the Kilpatrick administration here in Detroit. Given that, what made you decide that you wanted to go over to that side of things when you've spent so much time looking into it? There's a, there's a couple of things, uh, one of which is I feel like I've done as much as I can as a journalist to try and improve the quality of local government. I, I've done stories that have exposed wrongdoing by Republicans, Democrats, state lawmakers, county lawmakers, municipal lawmakers, uh, and uh, I think probably some federal lawmakers in there too. They all kind of be become sort of a blur. And and at some point, you know, as you know, as a journalist, what we do is we show, we don't tell. And what we do is we lay out the story and we let the reader, the viewer, the listener decide. And I'm very comfortable with that. But more and more, I see us telling a story and showing facts that we believe to be uncontrovertible and then nothing happening. And I think if I really want to continue to make life better for people in Detroit, including my family who has lived here for more than 21 years, I've got to find a way to make a difference in a different way. And by having a vote, that's a way where not only can I try to persuade people or influence people by showing them the facts, but I can say, I think we really need to address this because if we don't, you're not going to get my support. And now you need my support. 
Well, you know, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you about. I mean, a lot of people who get into politics for the first time, it, it maybe it's a single issue uh, that is driving them, whether it's a tax uh, issue or they want to fix the damn roads or something along those lines. Was there something going on in the city that you thought you might be able to address? Well, I, I think, you know, when you look at uh, when you look at a single issue, even even Governor Whitmer, who who really made her name with fix the damn roads, there's many things she wanted to do. She wanted to improve the quality of education. She wanted to improve the quality of health care. You know, so so she she picked uh, a slogan and really, really hung her hat on that. And, and I will tell you, driving around, uh, the roads are better. Are they all fixed? Not by a damn sight, but but they are better. So we have to acknowledge that. But to me. Um, you know, I'm talking about opportunity. I'm talking about equality and I'm talking about most of all accountability because that's where I bring some expertise is, is making sure, you know, the easiest story for me to do as a reporter is when a politician or a public official says, we're going to do X, Y, Z by such a date, marking my calendar and going back to see whether they did it. Well, um, now I can help decide what we're going to try and do. And I can try and make sure that we're on point and that we're on track. Uh, I think the mayor's done a great job knocking down houses, but I also wonder, could we do it cheaper? Could we do it better? And, um, and I want to, I want to, I want to focus more on that because, because really since leaving the free press um, back in 2012, my beat has been the entire state and I've really enjoyed that. And we've exposed some shenanigans all over Michigan, but where my heart is and what I care the most about is Detroit. And I want to get back to focusing on Detroit and I haven't been in city hall since 2007, 2008. So it's time for me to get back in city hall and, and try and do the work that, that I think is so important. Now that's not to suggest you haven't been in the city and, and uh, just for full disclosure, everybody ML and I have known each other since the first grade. Uh, we have been friends for many, many years. Um, but you were, it's not as if you were not in the city of Detroit. You have been following council people around for many years, especially in your time at Channel 4. Uh, there were a number of exposés, excuse me, at Channel yeah. 2, a number of exposés you did uh, about certain council people and and things like that. And I mean, any, any politician uh, that gets in there is going to have to formulate some relationships. Are, are you concerned at all about a level of trust that might exist or not exist between you and your fellow council members, the mayor's office, et cetera, uh, because of the work you've done? Sure. So while I have had to track down some council members in every one of those occasions, I first tried multiple times to get them to sit down and meet with me. And to some council members credits, they've been willing to do that. And others I've had to go find to ask the questions that people deserve answers to. Um, every one of these engagements I have with council members, and they're council members I've had to expose multiple times. My, my approach is the same, uh, to be respectful, to be courteous, to be flexible, and to be truly interested in their concerns. And to me, if, if, if we're going to get hung up on making things better in the city of Detroit because somebody's got got a hard feeling. I mean, this is not about how we feel. Our feeling should be the least important thing as public officials. What should be the most important thing is how the people feel and what needs to be done for them. So I would like to think that anytime there's a policy that is worthy, or I make a proposal that makes sense, that's assuming I get there, folks. I haven't even, haven't even put my petitions in and we're not through the primary, but I would like to think the merit of that issue is what's going to get the five votes needed to make something happen. And, and frankly, if we get to a position where everybody's sitting there saying, well, you were mean to me, so I'm not going to vote for X, Y, or Z. 
then, then maybe it's time for us to have a public discussion about how policy is made. Because if it's not, if, if decisions don't begin and end and in the middle get based on what's in the best interest of Detroiters, what are we doing? We're stealing people's money by taking our pay and the free car and all of this stuff. That, that's not what public service is about. Well, you know, council ebbs and flows when it comes to those sorts of relationships. We seem to be in a period right now with Detroit City Council that it's not like everybody's in lockstep on everything, but for the most part, it's a relatively collegial atmosphere. It has not always been that way. You and I have witnessed firsthand when things have broken down in the council, and we've seen some pretty horrific things that have taken place there over the years. What kind of a person would you be on that council? I mean, do you see yourself as as like a bridge builder or just a, a rational actor? I mean, have you thought about how you would approach this? Sure. I would approach as I've rep- approached as a reporter. If I found something I think is important or that uh, is, is concerning, I'll contact you privately. It, as a reporter, I would contact you to say, can we get together to talk about this? Because I've seen something that I think may be a problem and I'd like to make sure we understand it. I'd like to make sure we understand where you're coming from so that we know either a it's true and there may be a story here uh, B it's true. And there may be some mitigating factors that people deserve to know or, or C it's completely wrong. And I'm sorry, I've wasted your time. I'll go on to something else. I would take the same approach. I mean, I don't think that, that, and I don't think government works and we see this in Washington and everywhere else now where people just start yelling at each other. I am going to be, if I'm elected, a council person who wants to get things done. And I approach everybody as a friend with an open mind. But if it's time for a clown show, uh, I'll let you put on your red nose and we can do that. But that's not the way to get things done. And my approach is not in any way to be confrontational. Let me just tell you, when I call somebody and say, can we sit down at a desk to talk about what you may have done wrong? That is terrible, terrible TV. Everybody else wants to pop out of the bushes and chase you because that's fantastic television. I've tried for years to do terrible TV because I think it's more important to have an engagement and to get answers than to do something that's exciting but doesn't necessarily yield results. But again, I'm going to approach this in a way that I think is most productive. If people don't want to do it that way, I have a lot of tools in my toolkit. I should remind folks, my guest right now is ML Elric, uh, recently uh, resigned from the Detroit Free Press, uh, his second stint at the Detroit Free Press. Of course, he worked at Channel 4 and Channel fifth, 2 as Fifth well. stint at the fifth. Free Press. <laughs> oh, was it really? oh, my word. Uh, I should also remind you, he hosts the uh, podcast ML Soul of Detroit, which you can hear on Tuesdays, uh, typically here in the community. Uh, it is Tuesdays. Uh, I always catch it whenever I can catch it. But um I, I want to get back to this for just a second. You mentioned that you've been living in the city for, for many, many years now, uh, over 20 years uh, that you owned your house on the east side. From a quality of life perspective, where is the city of Detroit? When you compare the options of the places that you had and, and, and chose to live in the city of Detroit, obviously, but where is Detroit on a competitive scale in terms of being a good place to live, raise a family, send your kids to school, pay taxes, et cetera? Well, I'll just say there's no good place to pay taxes. I don't like paying taxes. Uh, nobody nobody does. In fact, at the Free Press, it used to drive me crazy when we would do surveys and we would ask people, what are the biggest problems with the city of Detroit? And one of the one of the questions they'd ask was high taxes. I'm like, just ask people if taxes is a problem, because once you say high taxes, they say, that's a problem. But um, 
I'll tell you when, when we bought our house in 1999, Detroit was rising. Uh, the Archer administration had, had reached, I think it's, it's Zenith and it was a very exciting place to be. And while we still had a lot of work ahead of us, you felt like we were going to get there. And then things happened at the state level, like the end of residency, which gutted neighborhoods like mine and which was just a terrible, terrible trick that, that John Engler played on the people of Detroit and the city of Detroit. Um, Kwame Kilpatrick uh, was elected. I was very excited about the potential for Mr. Kilpatrick to bring this city to the pinnacle, to the peak. I voted for him. Uh, I was his first choice for press secretary, and I ultimately turned him down. But that was one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. I would say that was the hardest decision I've had to make short of leaving the free press um, once again. But um, but then we saw what happened under Kilpatrick. The city had uh, was entering into some economic trouble that was not his fault. I don't think he handled it particularly well. And then we had uh, the foreclosure crisis in the mid-2000s that you can't blame on any Detroit elected official, but which we didn't deal with very well and we all suffered from. Uh, under Mayor Duggan, partly because a lot of debt was shed during bankruptcy, and partly because the Obama administration sent hundreds of millions of dollars to cities like Detroit, we started to see a rebound. And when I see the city of Detroit, I see a city that is rising and, uh, and is continuing to rise, but still has challenges. There's still a lot of blight. There's still a lot of crime. It's still a very violent city. Uh, the educational options for our children are improving, but they're still nowhere near where they should be or what people deserve. And when I look at, at Jefferson Chalmers, and when I look at Mack Avenue, and when I look at East Warren and Gratiot, all one-time vibrant commercial corridors, we see progress, we see signs of hope, but we also see that there's a lot of work ahead and that the people who are trying to do this work need a partner in City Hall who's willing to work with them and who can be an advocate for them and who understands what we need out of those places. When we were in high school, Craig, I worked at the paint store at Kensington and East Warren. I know what that, that corridor has been like, and I know where it needs to get to, and we're not there yet. But I am ready to go back to work on the paint store uh, if I'm elected, and, and even if I'm not, frankly, because I'm going to work on making the city better no matter what I'm doing. Now, from that perspective, I mean, what do you think you can accomplish on council? Because, I mean, obviously it's it's a legislative position. It's not necessarily like a district manager even that can make phone calls to department heads to get like a pothole fixed or something like that. But from council, I think people tend to think you have more power than you actually have to fix problems in their neighborhood. How do you approach that sort of, uh, I, I guess, deficit in understanding maybe is, is a polite way to put it? Yeah, I think sometimes what I've seen over the years is historically when you look at council, you see uh, nine mayors, nine people who think that they should be mayor. And it's not like <laughs> a typical legislative body where you have uh, things are co-sponsored and there's committees and then it goes from one house to the next house. I mean, we do have committees now and there are people who will come together on ordinances, but it still seems very fractured. Um, and that's something I would want to work on is trying to bring people together and come up with an agenda. I would like to know where the city council stands uh, in principle on a lot of broad policy issues. I think we all know council stands for opportunity for Detroiters, and that's absolutely an appropriate priority. 
But there's other things where I'm wondering, well, wh what are we doing together on this? Where are we working on this? And I, I, I'm often frustrated that it's hard to get council members, not all of them, but some of them, to even address questions about what they feel. Uh, if I'm on the council, where I'm coming from will never be a mystery. It will never require a follow-up phone call. I will tell you where I stand when you ask me. And if I don't know yet, I'll let you know I'm working on it and I will get back to you when I have an opinion. But I do think there needs to be more um, collaboration. And, and I also think that the district system is really important. This is something that came about under the charter revision about eight years ago. And what it means is not only do I have responsibility for the budget for the entire city of Detroit and the way the entire city of Detroit functions, but I can pay special attention to a portion of the city that can demand accountability from me. If, uh, if East Warren needs something and it doesn't get done, they're not going to call James Tate. James Tate's on the other side of town. They're going to call me first and I better have an answer and I hope to have an answer. And I also will tell you that I believe that the real strength of Detroit, uh, particularly given some of the uh, public officials we've had in the past, is Detroiters. And what Detroiters need is somebody in City Hall who wants to work with them, who wants to listen to them, who wants to facilitate things. And for the last five or six years, I've done a charity uh, event in Clark Park. Uh, it's an outdoor hockey game uh, that has raised to this point about $100,000 for the Clark Park Coalition and the kids of Southwest Detroit. The reason we've been able to do that, the way we've been able to do that is strategic partnerships. I'm involved in a lot of different causes and a lot of good causes and know a lot of people. And we can bring those people together to make good things happen in ways that don't involve the city's bureaucracy, that don't involve your tax dollars, but will ultimately benefit you. So to me, strategic partnerships is critical. So while I'll work as hard as I possibly can as an elected official, if I'm so blessed to be elected, but I'll be working outside of City Hall, too, because the answers to Detroit's problems are all around us. And it involves it, it requires every Detroiter to be involved and people from outside Detroit to be involved as well. You know, a lot of the money's outside Detroit. Let's go bring some of it back. ML Elric, my guest. Again, he's uh, going to be running. He is running for uh, city council in district number four. Um, and I don't want to pin you down on too many specific policy things at this point, because this is a fledgling thing you're doing and you will have time to come up with plans and ideas and thoughts on all these things. But but one of the issues that I have found that there is a consistent sort of disconnect between uh, City Hall and and the neighborhoods in particular is economic development and whether or not the economic development is indeed good for the community. Lots of discussions about community benefits. Uh how do you convince people and maybe you don't, I mean, but like the Amazon deal, for instance, is, is something that has got people upset. And that's just one example. There's been many of them. Uh, people feel like they're being left behind when it comes to this, that somebody else is going to be making money off their community and that opportunity won't be there. How do you engage people in a process so they feel that indeed their input one and two, that the output from these projects is going to be something beneficial? So, the three things I'm talking about, opportunity, equality, and accountability. Opportunity, people have to know that there is an opportunity, that the reason why, and, and, and I'm not saying how I would have voted on the Amazon deal. I'm really sorry to see those historic buildings go, but I also know from getting my COVID tests and just from being there in the past that the state fairgrounds is, it's a heartbreaking waste of some prime real estate. Um, but you need to let people know there's an opportunity. That if we do this, how does it benefit you? Are they going to be paying taxes that might lower your taxes? Are they going to be paying taxes that might improve services? 
Are they going to be putting a piece of land into use that means we don't have to maintain it, that their security will make sure that people aren't doing foolish things there instead of a police detail or a fire department crew having to go over there and tend to it? Um, equality. Um, if they get a tax break, are they getting a better deal than you would have got? Is the new haircut shop downtown getting a tax break that the haircut shop that's been here on a Mac for 40 years didn't get? And we got to do something about that. And if there are jobs, do you have at least a good a shot as getting a job there as somebody else does? And then accountability. If we told somebody we're going to give you incentive to build something, who's going to ask them? whether they hit their mark. Well, I'm the guy who put stuff on calendars and said, you said you'd do it by such and such a date. Did you? Now, that doesn't mean if you missed your mark that I'm, I'm going to come after your great guns, but I'm going to expect an explanation and it better be a damn good explanation and it better be one you're willing to tell the people of Detroit. And if it is a good explanation of, of, of what happened, the people of Detroit are some of the most forgiving and understanding people in the world and they will accept that and then ask you, what's your new target date? We're not going to give stuff away and count on people to do what they say they're going to do. I mean, I'm a trust but verify guy. You tell me you're going to do something and you convince me you're going to do something, that's good, but it's not good enough. I'm going to check to see that you do it. And I will just tell you that I think one of the problems that we have in City Hall is that a lot of these things are not are not broadcast. I mean, yes, they're broadcast on channel 10. So I think there's an assumption that we see things on Detroit cable TV and then we know what's going on, but I am a very skilled media person and I, I tend to be a modest person, but I'm going to drop that for just a minute. If I have a message to get out to the people of Detroit, I know how to do it and I'm not going to be shy about doing it. And I'm not going to run from a camera and I'm not going to hide from a reporter. And in fact, I'm going to call reporters and I'm going to say, here's what you need to know. Here's what we're doing. I'm going to tell them about the good things happening, and I'm going to tell them about things that are happening that shouldn't be happening because the people of Detroit have a right to know. I believe that, and I've worked on that for more than 20 years here. That is not going to change. How accepting do you think people are in the city uh, of the bad news that sometimes you will have to deliver if you are indeed elected? Well, so nobody likes bad news. So the fact that people in Detroit don't like bad news doesn't make them different than anybody else. In fact, it's 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 yet another validation of our sanity. But I think so. So I'm going to use an example with Kwame Kilpatrick, who, again, I had the highest hopes for. He said he was going to knock down more houses in Detroit than any mayor ever by September of 2002, before the school year started. And he was going to emphasize removal of blight around schools a very laudable goal, a goal that everybody thought was too lofty. But you know what? We want to believe. We want to see this happen. This is a guy who we thought could do anything. So let's see what he did. Well, September came around, and I saw that a lot of this hadn't happened. And so I gave him a little bit of grace. And then in October, I said, how are you doing with the numbers? Uh, we found the numbers. And, and he said quite candidly, and he deserves all credit for this, it was harder than we thought. We're behind but we're going to keep working towards our goal. I thought there was a perfectly acceptable and rational and reasonable answer. And the people of Detroit did too. Now, the problem is he didn't do better and he got caught up in some other foolishness. And so that's where the Kilpatrick-Elric relationship kind of went off the rails. But I think Detroiters are not fools. And if you tell them something that rings of truth, they will accept that, but they're going to want you to keep working. You can't give us an excuse and then figure we're going to go away because we're not. Because if you're still in the city of Detroit, you're not going anywhere. 
And that's where we want you to be. We want you to stay because we want to make it the kind of place where you'll tell your friends to move in. Well, ML Elric, my guest, uh, you mentioned, of course, the Kilpatrick Elric relationship. Um, and, and obviously there are a number of people that think that he was treated unfairly by the justice system. They didn't necessarily suggest that he didn't do anything wrong, but the 28 year sentence is something that they think would not have happened to a white politician, obviously. And I'm wondering if they, if you think that that's in any way going to impact your potential uh, likability with the voters in the city of Detroit, because there are some people that that still feel that Kwame Kilpatrick got railroaded. They don't necessarily think he was the greatest guy in the world, but they are thinking that it was unfair. Does any of that rub off on you? Well, so I've I've heard a lot of that, and I'm going to hear a lot more of that, and and it's all it's all fair to talk about. In fact, I want people to talk to me about that because this is a discussion we need to have. Um, the incarceration of young black men. And, and a generation of leadership in the city that was was looked at, you know, kind of side-eyed because we're like, well, are you a young guy like that mayor we just got rid of? has been unfair. Um, what I will say about Kwame Kilpatrick is at the same time Kwame Kilpatrick, no, excuse me, a year before Kwame Kilpatrick was sentenced to 28 years for public corruption, a white guy from Ohio named Jimmy DeMora was also sentenced to 28 years for public corruption and arguably the crimes that Jimmy DeMora committed in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, were not as severe and did not affect as many people as the crimes Kwame Kilpatrick was ultimately found guilty of. So the, the sentence was comparable. Uh, was it too harsh a sentence? Well, there's a lot of debate on that too, but I'll tell you where I start with that. When Kwame Kilpatrick, God bless him, apologizes to the people of Detroit and admits that what he did harmed 700,000 people and tens of thousands of retirees who worked hard and a promise was made to them by the city of Detroit that the city of Detroit had to take back because of the incompetence and the corruption of the Kilpatrick administration. That's when we can talk about 28 years. But, uh, but it's, I mean, people forget Kwame Kilpatrick ruined people's lives. They were very good police officers. They were very good public employees, public officials, whose careers were ruined and their lives upended because they dared to speak out or to stand against a man who cheated and lied and robbed an entire city. When you put self-service above public service, you reap the whirlwind. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry about what happened to Kwame Kilpatrick. I'm sorry for what his family has gone through. My family's about the same age as Kwame Kilpatrick's. We connected on a lot of levels. But ultimately, we're responsible for our actions. And I know that I personally will not do anything that has any chance of taking me away from my family. And I think the public officials who risk being ripped away from their family, they have some responsibility for the trauma that they create. Well, one last question for you. We're running out of time here, and I appreciate the, the time you've been able to give us today. Well, I'm talking a lot. Am I a politician already or what? <laughs> there you go. Jeez, uh, but, but, you know, uh, it, again, you've been a city resident for a long time. Uh, you've you've witnessed ups and downs in the community, and, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. But as a resident of Detroit, if there was one thing that you could see changed within the city right now that would improve your quality of life for you and your family, what would it be? And how would you work to affect that change? Well, so those are, I have two answers. If that's the, if that's the question, I mean, your time, me, sir. education, I mean, we need, if we're going to bring families back to the city of Detroit, and we absolutely have to be a city of families. We are a city of families. We're a city of faith. We're a city of families to bring all families back and encourage families to come back. 
they need to know that they have a free high quality option for education because education is the key to opportunity. Uh, what can I do about that as a councilman? Well, that's where it's a little tricky because I'm not a member of the school board and the work of the city is great enough that I don't need to do the work of the school board. So I, I play a lot of sports and, and one of the key things, I'm the captain of a team. And one of the things I tell the guys on my team is play your position because if you try and play your position and the other guy's position, we now have two weak positions on the field instead of just one. So I'm going to play my position, but anything I can do to help make things better in this city for kids. I've been a coach. I do fundraising. I do mentoring. I've been on a school commission. Anything I can do to make this city better for children, uh, I'm going to do. Because one of the things that Kwame Kilpatrick got absolutely right is when he was elected and he said this city's priorities are going to be kids, cops, and clean, he nailed it. And if he'd stayed on that and had focused on that and made that the exclusive mission of his administration, he wouldn't be mayor today. He'd be vice president or president. I mean, he had those skills, but he lacked focus. And as he said, his appetites outstripped his character. But, uh, but it's got to be, if this isn't a city where we can have children, what, what are we doing? Well, we'll have to leave it right there this time. I'm sure we will catch up again. Now, ML Elric again is a candidate for Detroit City Council, running in the fourth council district, much of the east side of Detroit, including his East English Village neighborhood, uh, among others. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how this goes, sir. And we will check in with you along the campaign trail as this progresses. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. And please uh, keep the tough questions going because uh, I'm not hiding from anything. I'm not running from anything. And, and the more I hear from people, the more I know. Well, I figured I'd let you settle in first, but uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Looking for the latest news and information about our great city of Detroit? Head to DeadlineDetroit.com for one-stop shopping for the most important stories of the day. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in town, providing original reporting, videos, and podcasts that keep you in the know about everything happening in Detroit. Become a member today, and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing for prizes, including gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Go to DeadlineDetroit.com membership.